Blog Talk Radio. This is Mark Grace, and you're listening to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sandpete. Everybody, yellow. It's Tuesday night. It is 9:31. It is May the 17th. It is time for another episode of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Hi, folks. Good to have you aboard. We have a ton to talk about here on the podcast, the showcast, the pod show. And uh, let's get right to it. We have uh, a guest, Phil Soto Ortiz, is going to join us to talk about the Yankees. He is a uh, blogger extraordinaire. He is quite good. And uh, we are super excited to have him. We're going to bring him in here in a couple of seconds. But before we do that, so much to talk about, Cal. We have a really huge show. And uh, I'm very excited. I feel I feel shocked. Uh, so <laughs> to, uh, to combat my shock, let's bring in my co-host. He looks really good tonight. Uh, I think he's in his dress t-shirt. And he has a, uh, a pen behind his ear. So he looks like a short order cook, uh, circa 1958. Let's welcome Brian <laughs> Calniva Calpino Caliente Cal V. Hi, Bry. What's up, Steve? How are you? What's up, dude? dude. What is up, dude? Dude. What, dude? What's up, dude? Yo, br- brother. Yo, bro, bro. What's up, bro? Hey, how you doing? Is there is there a more annoying way to? For two people to to interact and that what's up, bro? Bro, hey, bro what are you bro. doing? Yeah, no, dude. Let's, yo, dude, bro, had a crazy week, bro. Crazy. Dude, what the hell? <laughs> the other day, Cal, at work, there's like this like 45, uh, 55 year old guy that works with us, right? And he's in IT or whatever. And he was talking to another guy, and the conversation was going on. I, I'm not quite sure what they were talking about or talking about. And he goes, "Yeah, it's mad cheap to fly <laughs> that way." And I mad wait. What did you just say? Mad cheap. Mad cheap. Who are you? Fifty-five years old. Somebody should let the man know he's fifty-five. I get a guy at work that when he's excited about something, he says that's mint. <laughs> no, shut up. I swear <laughs> to you. Wow. Mint. That is uh, that's throwback. She's she's wearing purple pants today. That's mint. Yeah, he's doing throwback compliments. Yeah, like the 90s, back to yep. the 90s. Yeah. Uh, before we bring in uh, our guest, Phil Soto-Ortiz, uh, let's uh, welcome in the man behind the glass from Route 35 in New Jersey. Uh, he's somewhere outside. <laughs> I'm at Dumpling Sound Studios, too. You're at the Calvi Compound. Right. In the West Wing. I'm in the West Wing. Correct. And uh, let's bring in uh, Pop Culture PJ, our producer for the evening, behind the glass. 
from Dumpling Sound Studios One or near wh- whereabouts? Where are you? I'm. You know what? Hold on. <laughs> I'm uh. I'm under the car. <laughs> <laughs> are we doing old time radio now? Is that is that Not, what this well, is? No, no, those are real wrenches. <laughs> you're you're actually working on the minivan. I have yeah. Well, this is look. I have two kids, and this is the time I get uh, to change the oil. So I'm under the car, uh, but I got the laptop uh, right wow. next to it. It's uh, under the car well, with have, you. It's on a dolly, so it rolls with me. Perfect. <laughs> Hold on, I'm gonna roll. You are the uh, you're the heartbeat of America. PJ, well, yeah. Well, let me get the mixer. Hold on. PJ oh, is the it. laptop on a separate dolly from you. I well yeah I have the laptop uh, rolling but you know what the mixer's on the ground which I shouldn't have done I should have had it rolling with it because now I just stretched all the wires. Right. Um, but yeah I'm doing the show on my back. Again. Again. Well, kind of it's kind of how I got the show, isn't it? <laughs> Let's not get into the audition process. And that's how I got into college. Thank you. Deej, <laughs> we'll talk to you in a bit. Love you. Pop culture PJ from underneath his car. It's the heartbeat of America. That's today's Chevrolet. Remember no that one? Ever, yeah, oh yeah, no one can ever accuse him of not being able to multitask. No, that's correct. You know what the funny part is? There's no PJ has never changed oil in his life ever well, on a car. He's starting tonight. Yep, tonight was a good night to do it. So uh, let's call Phil. How uh, shall we, Brian? Let's give Phil a call. Let's call Phil. That uh, we're calling our our guest for tonight, Phil Soto Ortiz, who is a uh, a blogger for the Yankees. He's a Giant guy, uh, big fans, and uh, we're really excited to have him on the program. Uh, hopefully, he uh, he's ready for the call, ready to unload as well. Cal. Hope he knows we're calling. Hope he knows it's Hello. us. Phil. Hey guys, how you doing? All right, welcome to the show, Phil. Soto Ortiz here on Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. What's up, man? Not much, not much. Just uh, pounding away at the uh, at the sports pages tonight with election coverage going on all around us here in Pennsylvania. It's, it's primary night here, so nice. let the real journalists handle that stuff up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, Phil, Phil, are they doing school budget votes by you, too? Uh, I think so. That's always uh, big in the news in, in Harrisburg. It's uh, kind of scary times here with that. Yeah, well, big in the news in Harrisburg is big everywhere. That's what I like to say. <laughs> yeah, uh, we are kind of the center of the universe here. We're gonna get to we're gonna get to how you wound up in the Harrisburg area uh, in in a little bit. But before we do, just let me uh, welcome you into the show. Uh, hopefully, Thanks. you're ready to to unload officially. And uh, I'll try. I'll do my best. And also, just to say, uh, you know, Phil writes a, a blog. He's written for uh, for the NFL. He's written all over the place. Uh, I was reading some of your stuff today, Phil. Uh, great stuff on the Giants. I read that uh, that barbecue article about the Kansas City game. Uh, great stuff. So it's it's really great to have you. And uh, you know, there's a lot going on in Yankee Land, man. No doubt about that. It's certainly uh, never a dull moment over there. And uh, they're, uh, last I looked, up 5-1. to one. But now i got to take this call. And since I watch the games on my phone, I'm just going to have to trust that they're going hang, to hang out to that 5-1 lead. Never know these days, though. Oh, what, what could possibly go wrong, Phil, at this point? Oh, God, five, no. One. I mean, uh, Jabba would never blow one. <laughs> no. 
Um, let's 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 get right into what happened over the weekend because that's kind of the the hot topic right now is is the situation with Jorge Posada. I wanted to get your thoughts on the way it was handled from all angles. Um, the way Girardi handled uh, batting Posada ninth in the lineup. The way Posada handled uh, his reaction to it, and then the way ownership and and Brian Cashman reacted to it. What, what do you think about that, Phil? Well, I think uh, Jorge Posada is a guy that Yankee management knows well. He's been there a long time. Uh, I don't think they were very, very smart and uh, didn't really show a lot of forethought. You have to know. Now, not that they're not justified in dropping him down to ninth in the lineup. He's batting 165. There doesn't seem to be much silver lining there. That's all fine. But you got to understand, this is a prideful player. He's a stubborn guy. He's a guy known to be kind of hot-headed, all of which is fine. That's kind of made him who he is. But you cannot expect this is a guy that's going to say, okay, so I'm ninth in the lineup. No, that's fine. You know, whatever's best for the team. He's not really wired that way. There had to be some expectation of a reaction, and I don't think the Yankees were were very smart about that. They had to know that he was going to be upset about that and should have been ready to say, all right, you're upset. Take the night. Think it over. We do need to talk about this, but – if you're upset tonight, you don't want to go, we understand that. That should have been right at the front of their minds. They should have known that was a good possibility with this guy. Well, Phil, did, did from, from from what you know, did, did Girardi talk to Posada before he posted the lineup, or did, did Jorge find out from, from seeing the, the lineup in the, in the locker room? It sounds to me like it was just like uh, – you know, Rudy in the movie finding out that he wasn't going to be on the dress list for that game. He just, <laughs> he just figured they were going to show up, and he's going to show up and see his, his name on the line of card ninth, and that's how it was going to be. If there was some discussion before that about, Jorge, we may we may drop you down. We're thinking about this. I haven't heard anything about that. I've been following the news pretty, uh, pretty closely online, listening to WFAN a lot the last few days, and that doesn't seem like that's what happened, and that's just – that's not the way to handle things. It's kind of a gutless way to handle things, really, and and sort of impersonal. And that's one thing about this this Yankee brass that really kind of gets under your skin is that they just expect everything's going to be hunky dory, and you have to handle these players certain ways. And everybody knows that the aging superstar is not the easiest guy in the world to deal with. Yeah, I, and I think we're seeing this a lot right now, Phil, too, with this Yankee team because of the core four and because of the success that they had. And, and you, you you have these guys that, you know, in Jeter and Posada and Rivera to a much lesser extent because he's still performing at a high level. You have these guys that their exit is not going to be graceful. And it, there's no, uh, you know, there's no love lost, as we've heard Mike Francesa say all week, but everybody knows this. It's the writings on the wall. There's no love lost between Georgie and, and Joe Girardi. I mean, Georgie yeah, took his job. I'm starting to hear more and more about that. I, I've always wondered how that relationship was going to be. I mean, I certainly remember pretty well that, of course, Girardi was the starting catcher when Jorge came up with the Yankees. And yeah. Girardi basically caught his final three years in New York knowing that his backup was going to take his job. For all I remember at that time, uh, Girardi actually handled that pretty well. But you never know. That's you know everything was everything was great in the Yankee world at the time between '96 and 2000. It seemed like there could be you know nothing wrong. So if there were problems underneath the surface there, I don't remember hearing about them. But it would certainly make all the sense in the world that there would be a little lingering resentment. But I never heard for sure that there was. 
maybe now we're starting to hear that there is a little bit, but these guys, professionals, need to put that past them. And I think they will. Ultimately, what's going to happen is Jorge Posada is going to need to start hitting. He did have a big hit tonight. Uh, or this is just not going to get much better. Now, now, Phil, how about the way um, how about the way Brian Cashman has handled this? Now, we listeners of 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 Steve and I have been, you know, they've heard us going off on on Brian Cashman, who's kind of gone off the reservation a little bit over the last few <laughs> months, going going back to the fall with the Jeter negotiations and and you know repelling down the side of buildings. Um, how do you think Brian Cashman handled this? Do you think do you think he handled this the right way by kind of revealing what had gone on in an interview during the middle of the game on Saturday night? No, I don't. And it's, um, it's kind of strange for me to say that I've been a journalist for 15 years and I'm all in favor of transparency with the media. And I like the media to have access and to have answers. Yet at the same time, when Jorge Posada is stewing in the dugout and we're seeing pictures of him and it was exactly like that game seven years ago, with Nomar Garciaparra sulking in the Red Sox dugout the night that Jeter went flying into the stands. Everybody remembers those shots. And not long after that, that Garciaparra was traded. We got those same kind of pictures, and then the only uh, voice we have is Brian Cashman saying, well, it's uh, Jorge took himself out of the lineup. It's not injury-related, and there will be more later. And uh, I'm talking with friends of mine here and people on the phone, other Yankee fans. We were expecting that Jorge was going to announce his retirement after the game, which – I was kind of like, okay, well, he's hitting 165. You know, he's not <laughs> long for this game anyway. Maybe this will be a nice graceful exit. Um, but that didn't end up being the case, and it only fueled speculation later. So, no, it didn't really end up being the, the way to handle that at all. And you can only hear with the back and forth that's been going on between Posada and Cashman that at worst, uh, or at best, that there's some disagreement. And at worst, it seems like they're disagreeing out of spite more than out of a sense of, people having their facts mixed up. Right. And and Phil, I gotta I, I'm gonna steer us a little off course because I really want to get your take on this, but not too far off course. Just with Cashman. And we've been talking about Cashman on this show for a while and, and as you probably uh, know, Brian and I are Met fans. So we've been looking at Cashman <laughs> but we're baseball fans, we're sports fans, so we can be somewhat objective. But looking at Cashman from the outside as a as a non Yankee fan, uh I gotta be honest with you, I, I I'm tired of Brian Cashman. I've sort of had it with the idea that, well, he didn't want to sign A-Rod and he didn't want to sign Jeter and he didn't want to sign Posada and he didn't want to sign Soriano and, 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 and the Steinbrenners are, are not letting him build the team the way he wants to build the team. And and you know what? There's a lot of jobs out there, Brian. There's there's a lot of jobs that don't have $205 million payrolls. Uh, you know, it, we had a theory that Brian was actually, you know, Cashman was trying to get his way, or, you know, uh, be crazy on his way out of town. You know, we keep calling it Cashman is going rogue. Uh, you know, what's your take on Brian Cashman at this point? His contract is up. I mean, is is his time done in New York? It could be. I think with anything in sports right now, I think the uh, the days of a Connie Mack running a team for 50 years are long gone. I think everybody at this point has a shelf life, and whether they're doing a good job or not, time comes when they're all going to move on. I do think Brian Cashman is a good general manager. I think he is actually quite well thought of around baseball. I hear a lot of interviews, people like Buster Olney, who's yeah, no, been on the Yankee yep. for a long time, but also you know knows his baseball and is all around. And uh, It sounds like people around baseball do hold Brian Cashman 
in pretty high regard. At the same time, he, he has been born with a silver spoon in his mouth, so to speak, baseball-wise. You know, he complains about certain signings that weren't his problem. You know, it'd be nice. He should think it's pretty nice it's not the other way around that he wants players and can't get them rather than he he doesn't want these superstars and gets stuck with them. He gets stuck with Alex Rodriguez. He gets yeah, stuck tough. with Rafael Soriano. A lot of GMs <laughs> would love to have a problem like that. Right, that's it, and that's sort of exactly what I mean. I, I, I just think it's, it's to the point where Brian Cashman, who's uh, made his – and he is – you're absolutely right, Phil. He's super well thought of around the league. A recent poll, uh, it was you know sort of an informal straw poll of other GMs uh, talking about – and I, I heard only uh, Buster only talking about this with Bill Simmons about how you know Cashman is extraordinarily well thought of around the league. Uh, he is a, obviously a smart baseball guy and stuff. I'm at the point where I want to see him go to another team and not have a $200 million budget and sort of do it, you know, like, and, and, and see what he can build. Just sort of tired of hearing like, well, I didn't want to sign this guy. Well, you know what? These are good problems to have, you know, that you can sign A-Rod for $30 million a year. Yeah. I think we will get to that point eventually. I don't think he'll stay forever, whether it's something, an incident like this or something. I think eventually his time in New York will run out. I think he will be a general manager somewhere else. And then it'll be interesting to see, how good a, a job he does somewhere else uh, with their very different constraints. It might turn out that he might even be better. Now, remember, in the late 1990s, everything that he did seemed to turn to gold. He could not bring in a player without it seeming to work out well. I mean, everybody you could think of right up through 2000 just seemed to work out beautifully. The last decade, not as great. And really, up until two years ago, everybody the Yankees brought in, if they worked out at all, it was basically a free agent that, you know, you or I could have made that signing. I could have signed Mike Messina. I could have signed Jason Giambi with the money. That's pretty easy. But the last couple of years, bringing in certain guys, Nick Swisher is a guy that I think of that Cashman brought in that's done a good job. And then yep. this past offseason, you know, Brian Cashman got killed this offseason for not landing Cliff Lee, not having a plan B. But all the small acquisitions the Yankees have made this past winter, they've worked out pretty well. It's the big guys that have already been there that – uh had the Yankees in the predicament they've been in. Well, let's let's talk about the team on the field right now, Phil. Um, the coming off sure. a six-game losing streak, I, we're assuming. I, I I haven't checked, but they were up five-one tonight, so it looks like that losing streak is coming to an end. But they have not played well as of late. Um, is there reason for concern with this team, or do you think it's just they're just going through a rough stretch in the season? I think at this point you don't want to say anything more than it's a rough stretch in the season. You know, the old ad is that you're never quite as bad as uh, as you look when you're going bad, and you're never quite as good as you look when you're at your best. So I don't think this is the Yankee team you're going to see. I do believe Alex Rodriguez is going to start hitting. He had two home runs tonight. We haven't been seeing very much out of Mark Teixeira. There's no reason to believe Mark Teixeira is not going to start tearing the ball up. Nick Swisher hasn't hit at all. Now, Nick Swisher probably played a little bit above his head his first two years in the Bronx, but I think he's going to start hitting. He's only got two home runs so far this year. Uh, you look at Brett Gardner, hasn't really done anything. He's a guy that's only in the lineup because of his speed. He's stolen five bases and been caught six times. I think you're going to start to see more there. But then again, the flip side of that is what if Curtis Granderson can't keep up the, keep up the pace that he's been at? But for the most part, I expect good things out of the Yankees. The, the questions still are, I think, with the starting pitching. A.J. Burnett has been so much better this year than he was last year, and that's in considering the fact that he ended up self-destructing in the sixth inning last night and costing the Yankees that game against Tampa. I think what you're starting to really see with the Yankees 
is how much Andy Pettit did mean to them for so many years. A streak like this that they're going through almost never happens when you have an Andy right. Pettit there. He's a guy that always seemed to stop losing streaks like that. They don't have that guy right now. Certainly it's not A.J. Burnett, and if Sabathia is not a stud, boy, that, that starting staff looks awfully thin, and the Yankees didn't do anything about it in the offseason. You don't know if you want to lean too heavily on Garcia and Bartolo Colon. If they can keep this up, fine, but if it's not going to happen, well, the Yankees are going to have some decisions to make in July. Are they going to be buyers? Are they going to start dealing Manny Banuelos? I know you guys already got him going to the Met for uh, for race, but... Uh, <laughs> I did listen to that on the not way race, here. So. It, was, it was sweeps week, Phil. You know what I mean? We had to just spice it up a little bit. We know that's not going to hey, happen. I like it. I like it. Throw it out <laughs> there. Why not? You know, just so crazy it might work. I never thought Alex Rodriguez would end up in New York, and then it happened. That's right. The old man's crazy, all right. Crazy like a fox. Uh, one, of the things, one of the things that you just touched on, Phil, I think is really interesting about the Yankees this season. You talked about Andy Pettit being the stopper. And and the idea that they would never have a six-game losing streak. Andy Pettit always so great at stopping those streaks, uh, uh, and and his absence is is huge. I think something else that's sort of reared its head is, and, and this goes to something I had read uh, read that you had written about not getting Cliff Lee, um, and and you wrote an article back in December about the Yankees not getting Cliff Lee and how they sort of have to be a regular team. Um. And that, you know, it, it, you just can't throw money at a problem. You actually have to get creative, and they might actually have to get well, creative yeah, now. Well, could do it. I mean, they, they might yeah. have ended up with Cliff Lee. They upped their order, offered to something they absolutely couldn't refuse. Who knows? I think the problem there is not that whether they got him or got, didn't get him. I think the problem with the Yankees is if you look at the fact that they spent so much money on two pitchers just two years ago, win one World Series, then fall two wins short of getting to another World Series, and all of a sudden – my God, we don't have enough pitching. We need Cliff Lee. Are you kidding me? You spent that much money on Sabathia and Burnett, and now you still need Cliff Lee? Come on. Will you develop a pitcher on your own, please? Right. And this is this is what you were talking about with Phil Hughes, who unfortunately is hurt, or you know, Jabba Chamberlain was supposed to be in the rotation and stuff. The Mets and the Yankees uh, have not covered themselves in glory as far as developing a front-of-the-line starter uh, from the guys they have drafted. But this speaks to... Brian Cashman goes back to Brian Cashman to me. This team is going to have to get creative at the deadline. If they, because uh, I think they're going to need pitching. I think they're absolutely going to need a starter, and I think they're going to need another bat in that outfield. Uh, which is one of the reasons why us as uh, we Met fans are are certainly like, hey, Carlos Beltran, he's healthy. Um, <laughs> what do you got? How, how does Jesus Montero sound? Um, but. You know, which we know we're not going to get. But I think Cashman's going to have to get creative at the deadline this this year. They had the deal in place for Cliff Lee last year at the deadline, and everybody went crazy. You know, oh, the Yankees, here come the Yankees. You know, it's too much pitching, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, I guess it wasn't. You know, they're, they're going to have to do that this year, I think. Well, if they decide that they have a team that can compete for a world championship this year, then – they would have to revisit that. If it's Cliff Lee at some point, it becomes ridiculous. The guy spurned you once. You didn't make the deal for him last year. At some point, there are other pitchers out there. And if you can't get him, I mean, you keep going back to that same guy who, who made a very clear statement last winter, I want to pitch in Philadelphia, not New York. I, I, I think at some point, you're like, all right, you really don't want to be here. Fine, we'll, we'll live without each other. Um, I, I think the Yankees, just three years ago, had opportunities to make deals. I'm talking about 2008 
when mm-hmm. they were in danger of missing the playoffs, ultimately did miss the playoffs because they decided they wanted to stand pat, wanted to hang on to some of their younger arms. And Phil Hughes and Jabba Chamberlain both ended up figuring pretty well in their 2009 World Championship run. Do they want to hang on and be patient again this year with Banuelos, Dylan Batances? I'll be honest, I, I'd kind of be okay with that. I'm really interested to see, and I can wait a year or two to see if these guys wow. are going to mature. But then again, watching what's happened to Phil Hughes, there are no sure things in baseball. So if somebody comes across the table, I'm sure they're going to do it. Like if, if, you, if, if you are a delight. If, if <laughs> Seattle all of a sudden decides that maybe they will listen to offers on Felix Hernandez, I think you would, I think you would change your mind quickly on Ben Wellis and Batances. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it, and I think Seattle will look to move him eventually. They're just not a team that ever hangs on to payroll, and it never ends up hurting them. I mean, they got rid of Griffey, got rid of Randy Johnson, got rid of Alex Rodriguez, and after that had their best season and the winningest season in baseball history. I'm not going to get all snotty with, oh, what happened later. They had a great year in 2001 (laughs) after letting all those guys walk away. So I think Seattle has already shown they're willing to trade their stars and keep payroll down, which is interesting at some point. Why doesn't Seattle become more of a buyer than a seller? It's not a tiny, tiny market. They've got a great baseball fan base and a great ballpark. You'd think at some point they'd be more of a middle market team. Yeah, not only that, uh, Phil, but they have money. The ownership has money there. They're they're, they're not struggling for cash. So they're basically the twins or the pirates, and they're just pocketing everything. Okay, that's, yeah. that's fine. Yep, that's absolutely correct. Because and and but they're not winning as much as the twins do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the twins yeah. the twins somehow man, managed to get to the world. But you know what though, Cal? Prior I, I to 2011, gotta, of course. Right, but I got And you never know. They're they're that team that gets hot and wins 26 out of 28 like idiots sometime in September. But yeah. uh, they got a pretty know, big hole to dig out of now, though. Yeah, but Cal. It, uh, you said, you know, if, if King Felix becomes available, that's a different story. You know what I mean? I could see the Yankees. Uh, what Phil is talking about is, and that's why I said you're a delight, because you're the rare Yankee fan that can say, and, and Dr. E. Ray, our own Dr. E. Ray stat is like this as well, where, you know, he can sort of see the Yankee forest for the Yankee trees. Right. And that, and that like, I'm willing to wait a year and hold on to Batances and Banuelos, uh, because I, I know I'm building a rotation that's going to be dominant again. Uh, but no, if I King know Felix, that, but I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to see if yeah. it works out. And it, exactly. you know, I think I can say that because I've finally, you know, I grew up in the '80s when the Yankees were a disaster. But now I've seen though. them win. And if I have to wait a little while to see them win another one, it's not going to kill me. But you know, the Yankees have put themselves in this financial place where they need to draw four million fans a year. They need to pay for that stadium. They need to pay Alex Rodriguez. They still have to pay Jorge Posada for the rest of this year. The payroll is such. They have no choice but to keep enough wins in the win column that the fans are going to turn out $4 million a year. You know, they never drew $4 million a year back in the 80s or even the 90s, but now the economics are such that they have no choice but to, but to make sure that they are at least right in contention until the very end. It's and, a little sad, really. Phil, um, they've kind of set the tone over the last 15 years, too, that that's the expectation. Now, you... Of course, a level-headed, reasonable Yankee fan. You are in the minority because most Yankee fans expect to go to the World Series every year, and anything less is, is just an utter disappointment. And that's kind of yeah. the tone that they have set for, for the last 15 years. 
Yeah, well, it's 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 been that way, and they've really just gone over the top uh, to the point where, yeah, you're right. There are not a lot of Yankee fans left who who are. I, I just, you know, I remember going to games in, in the mid 1990s before they finally won, and there was just this sense, just like everybody else, you know, I think we're building something here. It's great, and whether they win or not, this is a special run. You know, I think if you talk to Yankee fans who have been around for a long time, that you know they remember the 1993 team that finished third and won 88 games, but it was this plucky team, this gutty team that had all these come-from-behind wins. They didn't win anything, but they had their best year in years. They had four straight losing seasons, and all of a sudden they were finding ways to win. But you don't, if you go to Yankee Stadium now and ask too many people out in 1993, they're not going to remember that very well. They remember 1996. They remember they, if, Even if they remember that, they know Jeter. They don't even know Bernie Williams anymore. This is a guy that was there when the team was so terrible. He's been gone five years, and he's almost forgotten. Well, think about it. you got a, you, you got a 21-year-old Yankee fan. He was three years old in 1993. He's not going to even amazing, remember. It? It's, they, We're getting they, old. I mean, you, we, <laughs> we, that's a whole other story. But there's a whole, other, there's a whole generation of, of, of Yankee fans that don't know any other way, and they don't know how to they, – they don't appreciate it. To some extent. Yeah, well, you know, like yeah. Brian and I were discussing this uh, a few months back, talking about it on Facebook, but, uh, you know, I guess I was five years old when the Yankees won in 1978, and I didn't know anything else other than how much they struggled during the 1980s. Now, I had read so much about their great history, and I kind of said, well, I want a piece of that someday. I want to be able to see that. I just never thought I would, um, but I still have a great appreciation for how how sweet it was when they finally got there because it waited for it. Um, you know, the people that are this age, they never had to wait for anything. They, they, the Yankees won when they were little, and they kept right on winning. And even the years they didn't win, they were right there. You always knew they were going to be there, and they're going to be there this year. They're already there. I mean, all these problems the Yankees supposedly have, uh, they're still three games out of first place. So, you know, the, the Yankees really have definitely set a tone where – you know, it's contention or bust, and it never seems to be bust. Yeah, and and uh, and you know, the nice thing is these young fans are about to get a taste of a new Bronx Zoo, so it'll be the new Bronx <laughs> Zoo for the new generation, or Bronx yeah, Zoo well, this part, is really part Bronx Zoo light. This is this is still. <laughs> yeah. I don't think this is anything compared to what? some of the things like we went through with Billy Martin and Reggie Jackson. <laughs> yeah, you can't. Or even but, but Winfield. You, right, you can't do that stuff anymore, though, Phil. You can't. You can't have a team like the 78 Yankees anymore. You can't have a team like the A's from the – even the A's from the early 90s or the Mets from 86. You can't have a team like that anymore. They're corporations. No, no, absolutely. There's a corporate brand, and you can't do anything to smudge the brand. So uh, yeah. those halcyon days are, are long gone. But You're not going to see A-Rod tearing the seats out of a plane uh, on the way back from a, uh, <laughs> an, NL, or an ALCS championship ga- uh, game seven. Uh, no, and, you're and, you know, not going to have that. Even the uh, even the David <laughs> Wells and the partying after losing the ALS, in the ALDS in '97, right. things like that, you're not going to see anymore. But uh, you know, I'll tell you, the Yankees just worry so much about about every little thing. Especially you to ask about Brian Cashman and the way he is with some of these players. Look, they did give all this money to Jorge Posada. They gave him four years. It may not have been Cashman, but you know what? You're stuck with him. And now you're stuck with Derek Jeter for the next three or four years at a huge salary that you knew, you admitted nobody else would give him. I remember one of the stories, and Bill Simmons talked about this a lot on one of his podcasts over the winter, and I thought it was a delicious story, tantalizing. Even for me as a Yankee fan, 
why not? Would why would the Boston Red Sox not just throw a big contract offer at Derek Jeter, make a big shot across the bow, and see what the Yankees do? Could they possibly let it go? Would it be such a disaster? I mean, Jeter might be a bad example because the three thousand hit thing is a very it's big huge. deal. That does need it's to huge. happen in the Yankee uniform. But if you threw that one thing out. Would it not be fascinating for the Red Sox to have made a huge offer at Derek Jeter and for the Yankees to have said, boy, you know, hate to think of him playing somewhere else, but we can't top this. What, yep. would, that, what, what would that have done? Would, would, anybody, would anybody have died? Would fans have just ripped up their season tickets? I don't think so. You'll find the loyalty <laughs> will run out pretty fast, especially if the Yankees get rid of Jeter and keep winning. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we want to talk about real quick how you, uh, as a Yankee fan, wound up in Boston. And how you started the the sports embassy and stuff like that, which is your website, uh, NewYorkSportsEmbassy.blogspot.com. So check that out for sure. One yeah, thing, well, now that you've so, gotten it out there more publicly, I, best, I guess I better start writing a little more frequently. You notice that you post from December to my last that. one. Phil, <laughs> it's not that public yet. So. <laughs> yeah, but uh, <laughs> but you know what's an interesting thing, Phil, that I I checked out last night. I'm flipping back and forth between the Met debacle, I mean game, and the uh, Red Sox game because it was on the MLB Network. And uh, uh, you know who's hitting ninth uh, for the Red Sox last night? Who? Yeah, Jason Veritek. Okay. The the captain of the Red Sox. Posada of the North. That's right. Hitting ninth happily and gets a big uh, ground rule double to knock in a run to tie the game at six uh, or get them within seven, six in a game they eventually came back and won. Uh, He had another big hit in the ninth. Uh, Jason Veritek uh, did not storm out of the clubhouse. Yeah, well, Jason Veritek and, and Jorge Posada are wired differently. A lot of people are wired very differently than Posada. I'm not faulting Posada. I I look at what he did last weekend as a very simply, look, 15 years the guy's been there. He's been a good soldier. He's been a clutch hitter. He's represented the Yankees well. He's done everything they've ever asked him to do. Okay, so he was he felt slighted on the night that he was told he was batting ninth. I can forgive that. I can understand that. For one night, men, if they had handled it better, you, you come to the ballpark the next day and we talk this over and it's like, listen, we gave you the night off to cool off, to decompress, to throw a tantrum if you needed to. Tonight you gotta you gotta suck it up and bat ninth. And I right. think if it had been handled that way, I think Posada would have been okay with it. Like men. <laughs> like exactly. <laughs> Now, Phil, before we let you go, last thing for me, I, I just want to get your take on – now, you, you have since relocated from Boston, but what was it like being a New York sports fan in the belly of the beast up there in Boston? I mean, you were a Yankee fan, a Giant fan, a Ranger fan. Um, how, how did you survive that? How did you cope with that? You know, the funny thing about my time in Boston there, I, I went to one – I went to several uh, Rangers-Bruins games there. I went to – uh, both of them the first year that I lived there. And I'd been going up and visiting for years before that because my sister lives up there, and we'd go to the Ranger game at least one, if not both of them, every year in Boston. I went to a Yankee game at Fenway. It was an amazing night when Rivera actually gave up a game-tying two-run homer to Jason Bay uh, Friday of uh, the first series in April of '09. a bomb by Jason Bay. And then Euclid won it in the 11th with a home run off of Damaso Marte. And uh, I'm wearing my Rivera T-shirt there and walking out along Lansdowne Street in a river of Red Sox fans and getting so many comments and middle fingers to the point where, I mean, if any of these were individual you know, incidents, I'd have been fighting. But 
you know, with <laughs> no realizing that I was so badly outnumbered, I realized I better just put my head down, suck it up, just get out of here. Um, <laughs> it, it's very different up there. They really do look at Yankee fans like you're you have something completely wrong with you. You are less than human to be rooting for the Yankees. It's it's so ingrained, so deeply rooted up there. I mean, women, children, old ladies. They understand. They are <laughs> the Yankees are scum. That is the first thing that they know up there. Um, having said that, it is a fascinating place to be a sports fan. I used to hate the Red Sox so much, just because I got tired of hearing this. You know, we're just the most enlightened, sophisticated sports fans, and oh, you know, this is something oh. I passed down from father to son. Sometimes you think Red Sox fans think they're the only people that actually have parents. Right. It's amazing. But, you know, you live up there for a little while. There is something different up there. There is something about that place. I think part of it is because the city is much smaller than New York. There's a real sense of community from one side to the other, even though there's great diversity within it. Um, Fenway Park, the garden, the TD Garden are in areas that are just very accessible to anywhere in the city. They're connected. You would go to those areas and, and hang out and go to a bar and have a drink in those areas anytime. Yankee Stadium, you would never go anywhere near there if there's not a game. I'm not saying that you couldn't, but there's no reason to. It's so far flung from most of the west of, rest of New York because New York is just so big. Boston's a little bit more self-contained. So, And they all rally. And there's only one team in every sport, and they really right. rally around it. It's kind of like being on one extra-large college campus, which is ironic because Boston has so, <laughs> is known for having so many colleges, but it's not really a college town sports-wise, every, it's the University of the Red Sox, essentially. And it's kind of a neat thing to see and, and neat to be around it. I can respect it, even though I wasn't born it, I was into it. I was born in New York. That's, that's my team, for better or for worse. Well, there's been a lot more better than worse, for sure, but it's got to be, it must have been, a, it sounds like you gained a little respect out of that. You know, maybe a little, uh, the hatred is still there, but a little re, a respectable hatred. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, what the Red Sox are is, is just a very interesting institution there. I uh, recently read the uh, the book uh, Feeding the Monster about how that team was built, the team that eventually won in 2004, and it's, right. it, it gives you a crash course in Red Sox history, a lot of which I already knew, some of which I didn't, but uh, it's it's just a fascinating place and, and uh, a team that, you know, they've got a lot of the same things as the Yankees now with the money and the real need to – to keep winning, but um, it's, it's like Yankees light, at least. They're still a little less corporate, and Fenway has a lot to do with that as well. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Now, uh, And now you're in the sports hotbed of Harrisburg. Oh, my God. It, now, you're talking <laughs> about a great place to be a sports fan. Wow. Uh, very different here. Um, Pennsylvania is interesting because we're closest to Philadelphia, but once you get out of that direct Philly area, and I'm really not close to it. It's more than an hour away here. It becomes Pennsylvania, and Pennsylvania and Philadelphia are two very different things, and you'll see this with football especially, where I run into a lot more Steelers fans than Eagles fans. I, find I run into more Steelers fans than anything. There are five NFL teams that are closer to Harrisburg than the Steelers. The Giants, Jets, Ravens, Redskins, and Eagles are all closer, but you see more Steelers fans because it's just that sort of Pennsylvania State kind of thing. Them and Penn State, really. Right, right, right. Yeah, Penn State is the well. That's the University of Penn State, and uh, yeah. that's Pennsylvania, without a doubt. No, no, certainly. I, I experienced that a little bit. Uh, Phil, want to thank you for joining us, Cal. Uh, I know you wanted to ask one more thing. 
Uh, no, I'm good. <laughs> All right. No, seriously, Phil, thank you so much for uh, for taking some time to talk with us. We really um, Guys, we respect your it. we respect your opinion as a Yankee fan. You you offer a lot of insight and cool backstory on uh, on your travails as a New York sports fan. Yeah, well, I guess it hasn't been so bad. It uh, you know it is tough being uh, being away from home, but uh, hey, MLB TV on my phone, fifty bucks for the whole year, not so bad. That's ridiculous, isn't it? It's just so different being a sports fan in a different city now, like out of market. We've talked about it a lot on the show because I've lived all over the place in Los Angeles and, and you know Ohio and stuff like that. And it's it's a really different being a sports fan now, right? Yeah, well, I don't know if I could. Uh, I don't know if I could do this. I don't know if I could be here if I didn't have some way of, uh, of keeping <laughs> up on my teams. It's too important to me. I don't have much going on around here either. So, <laughs> <laughs> Phil, we'll definitely catch up with you. We'd love to uh, talk to you about some uh, giant stuff too, if we have a football season, God willing. And uh, <laughs> you know, we'll catch up on the Rangers and stuff because we do talk hockey and everything. Uh, and uh, get back to writing on the blog, man. It's really good. I'll have to do that now. You give me some inspiration. Awesome. All right, Phil, we'll talk to you down the line. Thanks, pal. Take care, guys. All right. So, uh, Phil Soto-Ortiz checking in, Cal, and uh, really just a, a super knowledgeable guy. Again, his blog spot is New York Sports uh, Embassy, New York Sports Embassy dot um, and he he uh, has taken a little time off from writing on it, but maybe he'll start writing on it again because he is real good. And it's science. Uh, it's good. <laughs> So Cal, uh, he said something interesting in there. Well, he, he said, said a lot. He said a lot of interesting. Said a number of interesting things. Yeah, absolutely right. But let me just touch on two of them. All right. Uh, one of them is he talked about Jason Bay hitting a home run, which Ooh. is right. That's funny to me. What? I found that amusing. So out of the out of the thirty five minutes that we just did with Phil, the one thing I pulled out of there is the Met misery. Oh boy. So you gotta like that. Uh, the other thing he talked about, though, is um, this idea of being a fan in Boston and maybe getting into a fight, and you know, but not getting into a fight as a Yankee fan up at, at Fenway and stuff like that. And did you see this? I was talking about this right before we went, we started doing the show, but I just caught it last night that that uh, Alec Baldwin, uh, John Krasinski commercial for Major League Baseball, where Baldwin's the Yankee fan and Krasinski's Krasinski Krasinski. 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 I'm not an office watcher, Cal. We've talked about it. John Krasinski. Yes. Uh, but there's the one commercial where he like goes to Krasinski's house, oh, oh, rings on the doorbell, opens the door, and he punches him in the face. And then he apologizes, and it's, and it's sort of funny, you know, like you know, you drove all the way up here to punch me in the face. No, I ran. Um, it's meant to be funny. It's meant to be funny, but Cal, I had a problem with that, considering the incident on opening night at Dodger Stadium. Yeah, you know, we talked about this very briefly before before the show tonight, and and it's it's an interesting point that you bring up because I, quite honestly, I didn't even think of that when I saw the commercial. I just I just laughed. I thought it was funny, you know. It is, but you gotta pull that commercial. You gotta pull it, really. You can keep the series. There's a whole series of them. But can you? Can you pull the commercial where the guy gets punched because of who he roots for? I mean, considering that this guy is in intensive care still and in a coma because he got beat up because of who he roots for, or am I missing? Well, apparently PJ has something to say. Yes, PJ. Dead wrong. Dead wrong. Dead (laughs) wrong. Wow. Wow. Go ahead. 
Tell me how my hand is not steady at the tilt. D-E-A-D, wrong. Okay, I got that part. How am I dead wrong? He is passionate about this. Well, first of all, the guy was in a medically induced coma, and now he's in a regular coma. All right, thank you, Quincy. Let's moving on. <laughs> you want me to do my Jack Klugman? <laughs> you have a Jack Klugman? Who has a Jack Klugman? I did a Jack Klugman. In 2011, who has that in his back pocket? I've been working on an Andy Garcia. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Shouldn't Andy Garcia be working on his Andy Garcia? No, no one asks for my impressions. I just do them. Yes, fantastic. All right, anyway, so he's in a medically induced coma. Go on, tell me why I'm dead wrong. Well, then they took him off the medically induced coma. Well, you stopped and the medical stuff. And, the guy, the guy got beat up because he was right a giant fan. Coma. Oh, my own. The guy got beat up because he's a giant fan at Dodger Stadium. This commercial right. shows a Yankee fan punching a Red Sox fan. No one punched this man comically. He was savagely beaten. That has nothing to do with the context of the commercial. What is that? What am I missing in the context of the commercial? It's the done humor. in an exaggerated. Yeah, it's an it's an exaggerated, absurd situation. First of all, they're clearly cast as friends. Okay. Okay. That's true. Yeah. Okay. It, it's, is it not still it's violence the, though? No, the the commercial itself is about the absurdity of the rivalry. Okay. And of course, to sell a few hats. Uh, uh, All right. I I just feel like any sort of violence associated with who somebody roots for in in baseball, even if it is – and I get get the comedy. I'm not an idiot, but (laughs) – easy. But uh, it's just sort of – I didn't even weigh in there, did I? I, It's just sort of in poor taste right now. I don't think so. All right. I I think – Poor taste would be would be a, you know a head injury joke about a hockey player right now. That would be poor taste. <laughs> yes, it would. It would be. All right, but I can do one if you want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as Jack Klugman. <laughs> that hurt my throat doing that. I can't do that again. Yeah, try not to do the Jack Klugman again. All right. Okay. Uh, no, that, that's your your point is definitely valid. I just saw it last night, and uh, Cal, what were you going to say? No, I was I was going to say that I. Like I said, I hadn't thought of that, but I, I also also p- if I may interject, there's no there's no anger in that spot. No, there's That's no true. there's no anger. You know, as, it, the joke is that Baldwin runs up and he, he he throws the punch as a hysteric. Yeah, if I may, I you know, deconstruct the far side for you. <laughs> I can, Steve, I see your point. I can see why you would why you would be a little uncomfortable with it, but I don't think that that was the intent. No, of course not. No, 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 no. I, I mean, those are shot. Those were probably shot over the winter. Now, if it were a Giant fan and a Dodger fan, that would be completely over the line. Right. And that would need to be pulled immediately. Yeah, I, I, you guys, I, I definitely see your point. It was just like gut reaction to me was like, you didn't laugh. Of course, I laughed. No, wait, that, I laughed. Your first reaction. Gut reaction was just simply like, that's funny, but maybe not in the best taste right now. 
you know, considering what happened. And and again, it was probably taped over. I don't know. It was probably taped over the summer or um, over the winter or something. Maybe you pull that spot until, you know, September. I don't know. It just seemed maybe too soon. <laughs> I don't know. It's never but, too soon to sell some hats. No, no, that's a good point. Well, anyway, that was just something I was thinking aloud. I can't believe you don't want to hear my Andy Garcia. This is ridiculous. Let's hear the Andy Garcia. Cal, what do you want PJ to do as Andy Garcia? No, no, no. I only do Ocean's Eleven Andy Garcia. Oh. And I, and, 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 I can't believe there's qualifications you on your Andy Garcia. I, can you do Ocean's Twelve Andy Garcia or no? No, no. Subtle difference, right? No, yeah, I do two lines from uh, from Ocean's Eleven. I do, I do, uh, I do this one. You know a guy, and uh, and I do, <laughs> and I do, uh, Jazz, Jazz. There you go. Thank you. That's it. Thank you. Wow. I, it you was, can't see it now, but I'm bowing. It was as if we had Andy Garcia on the show. <laughs> it probably wasn't. It was. It was that close. Uh, thank you for telling me I'm dead wrong, PJ. Well, I got, yeah. We're gonna the oil's changed, by the way. This is fantastic. Did you use, uh, what'd you use, uh, WD-40 there? 60 weight? What'd you use? Uh, I, I, uh, I go synthetic, mobile one. Did you dispose of it appropriately? Um, I do bring it to a recycling facility, uh, but, you know, not tonight. <laughs> I am environmentally no, conscious. Yeah, tonight it's not... <laughs> it's not too late to I change would, the oil. It's just too late to recycle. I wouldn't do it. Well, I was going to throw the laptop in the car and take the show with me, but, you know. <laughs> yes. Tonight it's actually out uh, on the curb to be picked up with the regular garbage. No, no, I it, never. It, it's too late to recycle tonight. Just so. <laughs> Andy Garcia would recycle tonight. All right, PJ, we'll talk to you in a bit. <laughs> uh, pop culture PJ telling me I'm completely wrong. Which is uh, ironic because I'm usually the one that's wrong. That's correct. <laughs> PJ wow. has made up T-shirts that say, uh, and Cal, be wrong. Um, so, Cal, uh, on on the Mets real quick, can we touch on the Oh, the Mets. Guess, the Mets. guess who has a stress fracture in his lower back, Cal? Oh, same old Mets. David Wright. Oh, meet the Mets. One thing I want to touch on, A, uh, <laughs> one thing I want to touch on, and then I'm going to enumerate it out, because there's okay. seven things I want to touch on, apparently. Two things I want to touch on. A, right. Uh, have you ever seen a more egregious rainout <laughs> than tonight, where they they called the game at about four o'clock and the sun broke through the clouds? Now I know it was supposed to rain tonight. I know the forecast had like a miserable night in store. Yeah. But they could have started tonight, Cal. They could have, but you know what? I give them credit for thinking of the fans tonight and not I, having them sit through a long rain delay. I think they were like last night. About, I think they were thinking more about Annabelle Sanchez. Well, they they were thinking about Josh Johnson last night, and they actually did pretty well against Josh Johnson last night. You know, lost in all of the misery and the doom and gloom of the same old Mets and a stress fracture for the third baseman. Only the Mets. Only the Mets could have something like that. You know, they've quietly won 13 out of their last 20. They're not playing bad baseball. Now, with uh, basically the Buffalo Bisons lineup uh, out there tonight, it was going to be. Cal, uh, do you trade Beltron tomorrow? I would. Tra- I would. Saturday. <laughs> I would. I would trade Beltran the minute I got a good offer for him, whether that's tomorrow 
whether that's July 31st, and I trust Sandy Alderson to know what a good offer is going to be. And the minute he gets a good offer, I wouldn't shop it around for a better one. I would trade him. Right. Well, we have the Subway Series coming up this weekend. and well, you, you have to trade him after that. Correct. And uh, Because we do need one potent bat in the lineup. Uh, considering that, you know, no Ike Davis, no David Wright. Uh, this is going to be an interesting couple of weeks. Andy Martino from the Daily News tweeted something very interesting. Uh, he's lost a lot of snark lately, by the way, Cal. Have you noticed that? I think he I think he took a lot of heat for that snarky article about the blah 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 Mets. His and game his game articles have been really good lately. Really good. Nice uh stories, sort of trying to find out inside baseball, quote unquote kind of stuff, looking for different leads, that sort of thing. It's refreshing, he, I have to say. He tweet <laughs> like a cool beverage. Right. He tweeted that this is an interesting two weeks for the Mets, that if they can somehow have these guys keep them afloat until Ike and David Wright return, they could be interesting because they are only three games under 500 after being eight games under 500. Mm -hmm. Um, And the Justin Turners are playing well. Let's see. They called up Ruben Tejada. They called up Nick Evans uh, because David Wright will go on the DL officially tomorrow. It'll be retroactive to Monday. Uh, Nick Evans is up. The folk hero, Nick Evans. Uh, He comes up. So if they can sort of keep it uh, close to the vest for a couple of weeks, close to the vest, I'm murdering another, another euphemism, murder. Keep going. Keep going. What else you got? At least I I used that one. No, I didn't use that. When in Rome. No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really understand it. Yeah. Um, But if they can sort of keep things close for a little while, it could get interesting around here. And you know what? Just don't get swept by the Yankees. Please. Um, <laughs> that that seems to be the, the the running joke again. The Yankees could lose seven in a row, but don't worry. Here come the Mets. Here come the Mets to make things all right. So that's what's going on with the Metropolitans. Very. I'm really, I'm just I'm tired. I'm just tired of it though because it's just like, yeah, David Wright has a stress fracture in his back. So what? The Mets are the only team that have injuries. Right. I mean, Chase Utley hasn't played a game yet this year. I mean, every every injury the Mets have, it's like, oh, same old Mets. Only only the Mets. Only the Mets could have something like this happen. It's, you know, enough. You know, it's old. It's old. It's, it's cheap, it's lazy, and it's old. And I've had enough. Wow. Would you say that you feel like this? I hated her so much. It, it, the, it flamed, flames, flames. On the side of my face, breathing, breath, heaving breath, heaving. So that's how Cal feels about the writers covering the Mets right now. Literally, yeah. I uh, you know, and, and 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 please allow me, please one more. Okay? <laughs> Go on. One more. Your old buddy, David Lennon of Newsday. Yes. David Lennon today tweets that. Hey, guys, I don't know if you've noticed, but Jason Bay, he hasn't been hitting. Is he Luis Castillo 2.0? It was it was just such a transparent effort, and I use the term manufacturing a villain for the for the fans to 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 draw their ire at. And and you know, look, 
everybody knows Jason Bay is is not having a good season. Everybody's tired of Jason Bay. Um, you don't need to. There doesn't need to be another Luis Castillo. For David Lennon, there might need to be because he needs something to write about. Otherwise, he's got to do a little work. You know. Ooh, throwing it down, Cal. Well, I I, I could not agree more. I said it. It was just. It was. It just. It was cheap. It was. It was just cheap journalism, and and I find that. And we've talked about the beat writers before. I I find that they're taking the easy way when it comes to the Mets. They're taking the easy way out a lot of times, and that's why a guy like Andy Martino, who has not taken the easy way out lately, and has avoided the snark and 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 the nasty comments, is refreshing to me. Deserves some credit. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right, and I saw that tweet, and I I felt the same way as you. Like, yeah, here we go. You know, it is lazy journalism. Speaking of lazy journalists, though, Cal, I don't know if I told you this, but. Uh, Samini had a uh, had a, a jet chat the other day on ESPN, mm. uh, ESPNNewYork.com, and yeah, they have the live chats or whatever, which I think are really good mediums for conversation. Um, and so I'm on the jet chat with Samini, and I posted a couple of questions. I posted this question a number of times, and that was, "How have you found it writing for the different mediums and and doing your job in the different mediums?" Uh, have you found that some writers have struggled maybe being a little too glib on Twitter, for example? Mm. And, I, and I was trying to get him to respond to the fact that he tweeted the Jets draft druggie. Right. Uh, uh, what was it? Cedric Ellis, right? Not or was Cedric. it? No, it was uh, Wilkerson. Uh, was it Wilkerson or Ellis? No, it, it was it was Ellis, but it wasn't Cedric Ellis. It was... Um... It was Kendrick Ellis. Kendrick Ellis, one of their draft picks, and and he actually tweeted Jets draft druggie Kendrick Ellis. Right, and he, he, did, take, ap- he did apologize for yeah, that. Though. He's taken a lot of flack for it. So the question that I kept writing was, because you submit your question and then he chooses them. Did you write? Did you write it over and over again? I kept. I cut and pasting it. And just wrote. Just kept submitting it. Just I wanted him to, and I and I didn't call out the incident. I was asking him, how do you, how are you dealing with the fact that there is no buffer with Twitter, and that you're reporting on a team, your reporting on a team, your coverage of that team, has to be absent of snark, that you can you know supposedly do on Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. How many right? times? Did you, how many times did you do that? Probably five. Probably five okay. or six. No answer. So as I'm reading this. Uh, but I'm reading the chat, and he's answering other questions. And Ira from Staten Island. Ira. And for those of you who don't know, Ira from Staten Island is a very big Jet fan who calls up both WFAN and ESPN Radio here in New York every Monday after the Jet game. He is the first Jet fan on almost Ira, every show. And Ira goes to every game, whether it's home or away. Goes to every Jet game. He is like the voice of the Jets on Sports Talk Radio here in New York. And now I'm looking at a chat on ESPN.com, and he's getting his questions answered. So, and he got two. He got two questions answered. Well, why wouldn't he? He's the voice of the Jet fan. So I wrote, my last question was, I wrote, (laughs) what is this? Seriously, Ira, two questions. What is this, 10.06 on a Monday morning after a game day? You wrote that? Right. And... Samini chose that as the oh, question. 
Wait, before you go on, what what handle did you use? Did you use RTU in the handle? I sure did. Oh boy. Sampede RTU. Of course. That's right. But look, uh, he chose that question, and it, and his his one word it was the last question he used for the chat, and his one word response was funny. Period. <laughs> So speaking, was he being sarcastic, or did you think? He I have see the problem is Cal. We have no way of knowing exactly with oh, Rich Smini. We have no way of knowing. That's my point. But well, I think we could cross him off our list too, huh? <laughs> we, we, are, we are slowly but surely assuring ourselves of never having a beat writer on this show. If they ever discover us, that's right. They will never be on the show. That's correct. And while we're at it, uh, the other thing I wanted to throw out to you, Cal, before we get to the fun load. Because we do have a fun load. Fun load. We got a load of fun. Uh, nothing, you know, just to follow up on last week's deal with uh, Nassau County and the arena and the Wangano plan, which I, I can't help but laugh at. Here's I haven't what, heard that before. Is that is that what they're going with? Yeah, that's what they're calling it, the Wangano, because it's Charles Wong and, and uh, right. Mangano. So the like Wangano plan, yeah. Um, here's what struck me, Cal. I was talking to uh, Scotty Lawbot, who Scotty Mouthpiece, whatever we want to call him this week. He was on our show last week. Did a great job summing up what might go on in Nassau County, et cetera, et cetera. And, of course, uh, Bada is, is, is the best. Uh, his website, uh, New York Islanders Point Blank, or islanderspointblank.com, for any information on this. But, Cal, I'm reading the Newsday article. Did You, you get Newsday, right? Sure. sure. Did you see the front page, Four Steps to the Coliseum? Five, I thought it was, wasn't it? It was four steps to the to to a new coliseum. Four oh, okay, yeah, but but it was the but it was the cover of the paper and the first four pages, the first three pages of right. the, of the paper. Right. Four things that have to happen, right? Yeah. Within that cal, fifteen different people named, fifteen different names that have uh, that are in Nassau politics that have something to do with this arena. Yeah. I texted. Scott and I said, there, I just read this. There's no chance this gets done. It's a lot of Indians. They have taken bureaucracy to ancient Roman levels. This is ridiculous. It's like the People's Popular Front of Judea and the <laughs> Populous People's Front. You gotta be kidding. There's Comptroller. There's the Assistant Comptroller. There's your cousin's Comptroller. Right. There's uh, the, the Controller. Do- <laughs> the Controller. The Double Secret Comptroller. Right. Oh my God! There's no chance, Cal. No. This plan has to pass through 378 people right. to get to the board. Just to just, get to just, the board. just to get to the board. Yeah. Oh, uh, what a disgrace! I, I would no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be so quick to just to write it off just yet. All right. Not yet. All right. So you're telling me, as my friend and co-host, and your voice of reason. And my my little Jiminy Cricket on my shoulder. That's exactly where I am, on your shoulder. Relax. Well, this is awkward, you standing on my shoulder like this. Hey, you know, sometimes i got to go to such lengths to be your voice of reason. Do you have... Are you on one <laughs> shoulder? I will not, PJ. <laughs> uh, Pop culture PJ just tweeted that he Calvi should pee in my ear. Um, I'll do no such thing. Are you wearing the the devil... Do you have like the devil outfit on one shoulder? Yeah. Me and then and the wings and the angel and the halo on the other. Right. I'm dressed as an angel on one side and a devil on the other. Exactly. So the angel side, you're saying, don't give up on the Colosseum. What's the devil saying at this point? 
The devil is saying, uh, pack your bags for Kansas City. <laughs> the hell in a hand baskets are coming here. Where they, where they have very good barbecue, as they do have. Ortiz pointed out. That's a that's a that's a plus side. Good barbecue in KC. Right. Will they be the the, the Kansas City barbecues? Yeah, the, the Kansas City spare ribs or something. Kansas City spare ribs. I don't know. Accepting the awards for worst name of a professional sports franchise. The nominees are. <laughs> PJ just chimed in with the Kansas City dry rubs. I like that. Ha <laughs> ha. I mean, can't you can't you see the poster? You know, the big wall wall size poster of John Tavares licking his fingers of barbecue sauce, right? The dry rubs. That'd be <laughs> tremendous. Oh boy, nothing awkward about that at all. Come down and see dry rub hockey. Um, let's so Cal, on. let's uh, let's move to the fun load. Let's move. You want quickly. it quickly with the with the quickness. Let's get back on track here. Yes. Uh, do we need m- music for the fun load? Nah. Yeah, no, do it. You we'll love do it in. Po- we'll do it in post. Put the Wait. On. You love the music. I do love the music. What should we use for the? Let's use this. Oh, this is. This actually works. For what we're about to talk about. Right. A little bit. Well, Cal, tell the people what we're going to talk to. Do one of your segue things that you used to do nice. What are we going to talk about? Um, we're going to talk about uh, Jorge Posada, Derek Jeter, the aging superstar. And how do we feel about the aging superstar? How much sentimentality stays in the picture when you're talking about a guy who's batting 160 right now? Do you remember when he used to be good? You remember proudly wearing the Jorge Posada jersey when he could do no wrong? Back in the days of the endless Posada Piazza arguments. And Mike Piazza. How did we handle when Mike Piazza aged not so gracefully? Let's talk about it. Wow. You have not lost your segue touch, my friend. You still got it, baby. That was, well, that wasn't really a segue. That was just a. That was an intro. That was a flat intro. That's it. Here we go. Let's let's jump right into it. Aging superstars, your take. Uh, I think this is a fast, and I thought "Take Me Back" was a perfect uh, song for this because you want to you want to go back to when they were good. Right. You know, look, it's 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 flat depressing to watch some of these guys that you idolized, uh, and and none of these guys age gracefully. You know, it's like the 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 line in the brilliant movie Cocktail. Everything ends badly, otherwise it wouldn't end. That's true. But there's a there's a, a wrinkle I want to throw into your brilliant introduction here, Cal. A little fly in the ointment, a little monkey in the wrench. And that is, with performance-enhancing drugs in baseball, we have seen a proliferation of... Uh, no, proliferation is not the right word. We've seen, <laughs> we have seen... Uh, Guys have the propensity to be able to play longer than they used to, and to right. play later into their uh, uh, into their years where there would be declining years that they're not declining anymore. We're having this well, conversation. We had, we had seen that, right? But we, we were having this conversation today, me and the the, the Brewer guys. Oh, I got to ask you this, Cal. Whose nickname is the Big Puma? The Big Puma is um, oh gosh. 
I know who this is. Five seconds. Oh man, is it Adam Dunn? No. Oh, it's 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 Lance Berkman. Lance Berkman, Fat Elvis. That's right. Fat. See, now this was the conversation we had a big conversation about Lance Berkman today because I didn't know his nickname was the Big Puma. And apparently, that's hugely common knowledge. I now that you say it, I, I remember it. But yeah, he's more I, more known as Fat as Fat Elvis. Fat Elvis. Anyway, Lance Berkman seems to be having quite the re- the the uh, renaissance at age thirty five. Uh, after having two terrible years and being hurt for the last three years, uh, what are you, you saying? I'm saying you're not seeing. We're not seeing guys start to deteriorate, especially in baseball, the way they used to, where it was a natural progression. Where as you hit your mid 30s, mid to late 30s, you got worse. You weren't as good. Well, that's just and, gravity. And, 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 and right, but you had to watch these guys decline. Right. Who's, who's the only guy, Cal, that you can think of that did it right? Ryan Sandberg, right? Got to be. Uh, Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders in football, sure. You never had to watch Barry Sanders be a shell of his former self. Right. And it's tough to watch in baseball, Cal. Who's your worst? In all give sports, me, give, it's tough to watch. Absolutely, uh, but give me, give me like your two or three worst in baseball. In baseball, tough yeah. to watch. Gary Carter was tough to watch. Oh, gosh. Giants. Oh man, terrible. Gary Gary Carter was bad as he hung on. Um brutal. Who yeah. else was Right? I mean, who else was bad? There's a ton of, for me it's Hernandez and watching Hernandez try to hang on with the Cleveland Indians and and, was and tough. And play those seasons when, you know, they're guys you grew up loving. I'm sure for a Yankee fan Mattingly had to be rough. You know, to watch Mattingly in 95 and and not Giambi was rough. Jumpy's still playing. But Jumpy's a guy, though, Cal, you can't say it because we know he used performance enhancing drugs. Right. You know, so what's. So what? Bernie Williams. Bernie Williams was a guy that was kind of a shell at the end. You you called the guy before, Cal Piazza. Yeah, he really. Yeah, it was tough to watch him at the end. I mean, watching him play with the Padres was brutal. Although I have. Although I was I was I was at the game when he came back and he hit two home runs against the against the Mets. Yeah, no, I mean that had a moment. Absolutely, but this lends itself to the conversation, a separate conversation, Cal, that we were talking about with uh, Posada and Jeter, and we're watching Jeter and Posada go through this. Right, they're shells of their former selves. I didn't realize Posada was thirty nine. I thought he was oh, like yeah. 36 or 37, but Ooh. because he started, he became an everyday player later, right? He was like 26, 27. He was a little, yeah, he was a little older because Girardi was catching. Right. But uh, I think it just speaks more to the fact that neither one of those guys ever used PEDs. I mean, they're they're aging and deteriorating as you're supposed to. Appropriately, yeah. You're right. And that was always my argument with Piazza, Cal. Everybody said, you know, oh, Piazza's on the list. Piazza used steroids. It's been bandied about. Uh, it's been that unspoken thing with Mike Piazza that right. he was on the list of 103. Well, Piazza deteriorated like he was supposed to. He was a catcher, and by the time he hit 33-34, he couldn't play anymore. He started to get hurt. He started to deteriorate. His bat speed slowed down. He, he If he was using performance-enhancing drugs, he had crappy ones. You know, I, I, I just, I, I've always thought that that uh, sort of goes along with Mike Piazza, but he was difficult to watch. Uh, 
<clears throat> I, I, I hate this part of sports. And we've been talking about it a lot with Jeter because he's our age, which right. means we're really old. We are old. But I hate this aspect with sports. You, you've seen it in hockey, too. You remember seeing Bossy, like not being able to be Mike Bossy? Trottier was the guy that I remember. Trots, of course, you know, oh. and then and then going on to Pittsburgh, right, and winning two <laughs> winning two cups. But uh, but Billy Smith, you know, you watch guys that are great that deteriorate. It's part of the game, right? And nobody I, nobody ages gracefully, unfortunately. No, well, Dick Clark, but he was not a professional athlete, right? PJ is aging very gracefully. I might. Yeah. Uh, hey, Cal. Keith Lee checked. Keith Keith checked in, uh, and he said, "How about Ed Cranepool deteriorating?" Ed Cranepool? Yeah. That's before my time, so I don't. I can't really speak to that. Actually, Ed Cranepool goes into all of our times because he played for the Mets for thirty-seven years. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) But what about the? uh, I I think Ed Cranepool is an interesting one, just because he got called up when he was seventeen. He played till he was thirty-seven. Right. (laughs) And. And again, Rusty Staub. Well, we we never saw Rusty Staub good. Okay, fair. We, we saw Rusty Staub at the end as a fat old man who couldn't even move. Chubby, I prefer chubby. Let's not use fat. He was a little. He was a little hefty. He was plump. He was inflexible. He was, he was rotund. He was round. Le grand orange. How about here's a good one? I got a real good one for you right now. Bring it, Shaquille O'Neal. Interesting. How about? I mean, he's not. He's hurt. Well, they're actually Boston's out now. But in the playoffs, he was hurt, so he didn't play. But yeah. Shaquille O'Neal, at the age of 39 years old, is still kicking around and is an absolute shell of of what he once was. I. That's a that's a fantastic one because Shaquille O'Neal was a dominant dominant player in our life. Dominant, yeah. One, and to yeah, watch one him of the best try to ever. right to watch him try to get up and down the floor right now is 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 rough. Patrick Ewing is a Pat- member of the Seattle Patrick Supersonics. You oh disgusting. Well, that's the other aspect of it too. You want to throw in Cal these guys going and playing for other teams, random teams, yeah. Like Don't I, name I it the Rams. I was just about to say that. I'm sorry. I no, 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 absolutely. That's the one my Uncle Tommy always brings up. Like, that's the one that kills a Jet fan right. to watch Joe Namath play for the Rams. Right. Like, he should have just hung him up. And, of right. course, what's the classic story uh, about Jackie Robinson, who would not be traded to – he retired rather than be traded to the Giants. Right. <laughs> rather than play for the Giants, he retired. He wouldn't play for the Giants. Well, Willie Mays on the Mets was an odd thing for people. Willie Mays on the Mets, very difficult. You know, it, just a shell of his former self. And and is there a better analogy than shell of his former self for for this discussion? No. Is there a better one? Oh, see, uh, boy, we're, I'm getting text galore on this, Cal. Well, people are listening. That's great. <laughs> yeah, calm down. <laughs> Uh, Scotty, uh, mouthpiece checks in with Favre. Favre. I mean, is there a better example than Brett Favre, maybe in professional sports? Favre this year, because Favre last year for Minnesota had a great year. Yeah, through 39 touchdowns, right. Right, but Favre this year. Yep. No, that's, I, think you, uh, that's I, think you, I think you see it a lot in football. Well, in basketball. It, yeah, in football you got guys hanging on at the 
at the premier positions, like a Joe Montana going to the Chiefs. Right. Um, what about Jerry but, Rice on the Seahawks? Jerry Rice on the Seahawks. Like these guys don't don't know when to hang it up, and also they don't know anything else. And in football, you're also old when you're 32. Well, that's true. But Jerry Rice was close to 40 years old. Yeah, no, I know. But, I, I mean, Curtis Martin is a great example for me as a Jet fan to watch him try to play through the injuries that last year and really just not be the great running back that he was and the warrior that he was. That's uh, a good example. Curtis Martin, very difficult to watch. Cal, who has done it right now? now there's, who there's, has done it right? Who's, like, walked away at the top of their game? Yeah. Well, we talked about Barry Sanders. Yeah. Somebody that did it right. Sandy Koufax. Um, I think Sandy Koufax, sure. Yeah. You know, I think Mattingly did it right, to be honest with you. Mattingly, you know, obviously, the first five years of his career, he was headed to the Hall of Fame. Then he had the back injury, and again, a shell of what he once was, and a lot of wasted potential because of the injury. Right. But that last year in 1995, they made the playoffs. He contributed to the team. Yep. And he he could have stuck around, I think. If, if if he really made an issue of it, he could have stuck around to be part of that 96 team. But he didn't. He retired. I think Mattingly did it the right way. I think Mattingly is a great example of a guy who walked away uh, at, at at a good time. And also knew his limitations. His back was never going to be the same. See, that's the other thing, Cal. These guys don't seem to understand they're never going to be the same player they were. Right. I feel like, I feel like Derek Jeter's and, – and when the bar is set that high, like I feel like Derek Jeter's going through this right now. Mm-hmm. Derek Jeter's never going to – all right, I'll say it. Derek Jeter's never going to be the player he was two or three years ago. Of course he's not. He's 37 years old. But they want to be, though, Bri. They, well, they, and they think they still can be. Right, they, they can't they accept that. Well, but that, that – but, no, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's that idea that I've been good at this, I've been exceptional at this my whole life, mm-hmm. and now suddenly I'm not. Well, that's the thing. What what else do they know in their life? They only know being the best at what they do. Right. They don't know anything else. They don't know what it's like to, to not be good at what they do. Yeah. Uh, Keith Keith brings up a, another good one. Our buddy Keith just texted me, Michael Jordan on, on Washington. I mean, is there is there a worse vision, the greatest player probably, arguably – but the best player to ever play in the NBA uh, on Washington, uh, on the Wizards. After his third comeback. After his third comeback, struggling. Yeah. And and just not himself. And yeah, maybe on a certain night he could still drop 30 on you. Right. But, but they just don't know when to watch. Now, in baseball, I will say this. like There's been a lot of talk about uh, Posada should retire, right? Easy for us to say. He'd be walking away, you know... Does he walk away from that money? Thirteen million dollars. Thirteen million dollars. A lot of. That's a lot of cheddar. <laughs> it's tough to walk away from. That's a lot of cheddar to walk away from. I, yeah. I, I think that's another thing that these guys have to consider is that there's paydays that they would be walking away from. Hey, you think you think Andy Pettit did it the right way? Wow. Andy Pettit had a good year last year. Yeah, he sure did. And then he and then he left. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> For those of you at home who were startled by that sound, that was the sound of Brian Calvey doing his sexual chocolate, Randy Watson. 
That's it. Uh, <laughs> leaving, leaving the stage. Uh, which, uh, <laughs> sexual chocolate. <laughs> um, Cal, I, I think this is a fascinating subject because it speaks to something as sports fans relating to life that we all sort of go through. And that is you go, you, you start watching sports as a kid and you fall in love with whatever sport it is, or maybe all of them in our case. Watching sports as a kid, and these guys are immortal, and they're they're heroes, and they're not human. And then you get a little older, and the players start to be younger than you. But that's cool, you know. Like you're still rooting for them. That's okay. And then you get to where we are now, where the players are a lot younger than you. Most most professional athletes are younger than us right now. Are like considerably younger than like ten years younger than right. us. Right. And so now you're at a different point where you watch sports and you have a different sentimentality about that player that's your age. Like when I was, even when, when Mattingly, for example, or even Hernandez at the time, when, when that went down and he became, uh, you know, hanging on to the game and he's not the player that he was, I didn't realize it. You know, it was 1991. I was 17 years old. I was in the prime of my life. I, there was nothing to get sentimental about. I'm yeah, watching... Right, I feel like it's like a cycle where as you get older, we're, I'm watching this Jeter thing, and I'm not a Yankee fan, and I'm watching what he's got. In fact, one could say I hate the Yankees. Yeah. People have said that. But you it, said it. <laughs> I just said it. We don't even no, we, do season. I, and I'm, you're right. We, Jeter, we've and talked, I'm depressed. We've talked about that a lot, you know, the whole Jeter thing, because we grew up with them. We literally... We literally Grew up with Derek Jeter, you know. Yeah, not grew, grew not grew up from 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 <laughs> we didn't kid. Play, we didn't play stickball with him, no. No, right. but um, but our our adult life has progressed with Derek Jeter side by side. Yeah, well, you know what I mean. Yeah, we've grown up watching him, right? And now, if he can't do it anymore, in some way, shape, or form, we can't do it anymore. Well. I right. think there's a sentimentality that, that goes along with it as you get older that you didn't have when you were 22 years old. Well, I think, but I think that that's, you know, not, not to get too deep here. I think that goes for, for your whole life at this point, in, you know, when, when you're this age. Everything is, is a little more sentimental, you know? Sure, sure. It's just uh, – absolutely. It's just funny for me when it creeps into sports because sports is such a big part of my life. Right. And has been such a big part of my life that to watch it uh, differently now as as a 37-year-old, uh, I watch it differently now. I, I I care in a different way than I did when I was that age. When I was young and everything was in front of me. Like, I I don't know. You know, I, when I see injuries, for example, Cal, like when you see like a bad injury now, yeah. Now I'm oh now I think about like the guy's future and like gee I whiz I hope he can walk you know because right, cause it's you know when you're 20 years old it's a video game you know you're just right. watching it on TV it's it's a television show it's a program it's it's not reality to you and you don't you you haven't been around long enough to to gain that perspective but then as you get older you start gaining perspective on things and and like you said right now if you saw a 23 year old football player break his leg you'd feel horrible you know yeah. i mean this is this this kid's livelihood this is his future and and we didn't see that back then 
No, for sure. I, I and it's it's an interesting conversation for us to have in New York because we're watching these two very iconic baseball players for the Yankees, uh, Jorge Posada and Derek Jeter, go through this. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see, Bry, how it goes down with Jeter and it goes down with with Posada. I think Posada should retire. I, I really do. I think he should walk away. I think he's in the third year of that four year deal, right? So no, this, is, this is actually the fourth year. It's the four, It's the last year of the deal. I, I yeah. think you you walk away and you you have you walk away with some humility. You walk away a great Yankee, uh, and you and you, you you know don't go play for the Cubs or something. You know like well you know and here's another one Ken Griffey, Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. Last year, he he didn't have it anymore. He retired in May or whatever it was. May went back June. to Seattle. Well, he went back to Seattle to finish his career. Yeah, he played that that half a year in in Chicago with the White Sox. Right. But um, but then he went back to Seattle. He played a full year in Seattle, and then the second year that he was back, he um he he hung it up in May. He knew he didn't have it anymore. He left a lot of money on the table, but he walked away from it, and that's that's kind of what you do. You know, the other thing is that, and again, in all aspects of life and and business and jobs, you step aside for the young guy. You know, you're taking. Right now, Jorge Posada is taking the roster spot of potentially a young, developing player who has got his whole career ahead of him. Jesus Montero. Potentially. The next great Yankee catcher. Could be. Yeah. August Romine. If he <laughs> Augustus Romine. Uh, yeah, if, if, if Montero learns how to catch. Um, sure can hit, though. Yes, he can. I'll take him in a deal. Beltron, Beltron for, uh, I'll take him. Uh, it, it, you're, you're absolutely right. He is taking the place, uh, and it's cyclical. It's time. Step aside. I don't think Derek Jeter needs to retire. I think he needs to be traded to the Mets. What? 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 We're gonna do this again. <laughs> we're not gonna do this again. I can't wait to the trade deadline though, because we're gonna have a party. Yeah. I have decided our trade deadline show. The week before is going to be a from the Palladium. That's correct. <laughs> Not only will it be from the Palladium, <laughs> we'll get we'll start PJ on this right now. We'll get PJ working on the sound for the Palladium. Yeah. Uh, and working on producing from offsite because he's good at that. He's doing it while he's changing his freaking oil. You can do uh, it anywhere. No, but Cal, I, I I've decided that show I think should be nothing but ridiculous trades. Really. Yeah, we should run it like we're 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 WFAN, uh huh, and just make the most ridiculous trades to each other, just for like twenty minutes. Sure, why not? And then we'll you know maybe we'll have Doctor Ray back by then, uh, hopefully, and we'll have Doctor Ray play the part of Frances and go, you nuts, you lost, you lost, you absolutely lost. I would wait like a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Do you even watch the games? Wait a second. <laughs> Do you even watch the games? Uh, so anyway, Cal, I, I think that wraps up the fun load nicely. I think it puts a bow on it. Well, it wraps it up. I don't know about nicely. Wow. Well, maybe I we. Wish, should... I wish. Go ahead. I'm, I'm just trying to think of a, of a of a more graceful way. Who could wrap this up for us? And I'm thinking of a better way to 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 end the fun load, to walk away gracefully, you know, not hang around too long with this fun load. 
I'm and I'm thinking of an actor hmm. who maybe of of uh, ethnic has some ethnicity to him. Maybe didn't didn't this fella play in that in the Ocean's Eleven movie? Ocean's Twelve. Ocean's He's he, yep, he absolutely did. Uh, I'm thinking of a guy who could maybe wrap up the fun load for us. Andy Garcia. Andy. Can you wrap up the Can you wrap up the fun load for us? <laughs> can you I was can you scream, wrap... find out find out how they hacked into my system? But I think I'll wake up my kids if I do that. Can you Can you wrap up the fun load if one of us were named Tess? Tess. Tess. Thank you. There it is, buttoned, buttoned like a <laughs> like only Andy Garcia can. Thank you, Andy. Uh, we'll definitely talk to you down the line. Cal, a couple things before we get out of here, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. NBA lottery tonight. Yep. The fix is in, my friend. Where is it? No, the Cavs got the one, right? Right. But is that is is that karma? Definitely. LeBron, or is that or is that uh, con- uh, controversy? That was pure David Stern. Pure freezing of freezing of the envelope. Yep. A buddy of mine wrote in, Cal, my buddy uh, JC wrote in, at uh, 8.52, I call a Ewing-level type fix on the Cavs winning this lottery. Stern has rigged it for Cleveland because they lost Bron Bron. So now the Cavs have the one and the four. Wow. Good way to rebuild quickly. Not bad. I love it. I absolutely love it. Who do you like in that that, uh, series? Who do you like in that uh, that that kinky Chicago Miami series? That's a Chicago, great series, Cal. It's a great series. Chicago's up one nothing, right? That's correct. They won the first game. Uh, Smoked them like mozzarella in the first game too. They but. did. I think uh, <laughs> like a nice antipast. They were smoked. I, I like uh, I like Chicago in that series. Yeah, I, Derek, I, I, I think Derrick Rose is at the top of his game, and and I think. Their defense is too much to handle. Yeah, I do too, and uh, I think they're too cold to hold as well. Uh, who do you like in the other series, Dallas and Oak City? Well, the Thunder. <laughs> Did I get you there? <laughs> you got me. Um, we get to hear Mike Francis say the Thunder for the next two weeks. If you, if you, uh, Kevin Durant. On the thunder. Yes. Let's assume it's going to be around for a long time. We're we're making fun of our own dialect. Mm-hmm. Who do you like in Who do you like in that series? Is it Dirk's uh, time? Uh, I think it's Dirk's time. Hey, look, PJ's got some trivia questions for us. PJ, pop culture PJ. Pop culture PJ's got trivia questions. Get out of dodge. Okay, so but just real quick, I like the Bulls as well, and we may talk about those series next week. We're also going to talk about the NHL playoffs. I think we're definitely going to talk about it. Dwayne Rollison. Speaking of aging beautifully, well, 40 sure years is. old and carrying a team into the uh, conference finals. Unbelievable. Love Dwayne Rollison. Gosh. Well, uh, so it was, uh, and, and Sean Bergenheim with eight goals in the playoffs. Right. Good for them. I'm happy for them, though. All right. Let's bring the, our, our producer, the man behind the glass, Pop Culture PJ, back in. Trivia questions. Yes, go ahead. Hello. <laughs> All right. This combines uh, Steve's two favorite things, Will Ferrell and looking at other kids. All right. Uh, in what movie does uh, actor Will Ferrell coach a children's soccer team? 
Oh boy. Uh, oh my God, I, the silence. It's what? not. Is, is it? <laughs> I I want to say the name of the movie is Alive and Kicking, but it's not. You want to say that? Kicking and screaming. Say that. <laughs> kicking and screaming. No, it's very good. It's kicking and screaming. Very good. Yes, that's correct. Wow. Yes, if I had a if I had a bell, I'd be ringing him. It's uh, that's a terrible, terrible movie. I didn't. Jeez. <laughs> what do you want from me? I have to ask. I, I have to ask. Let Cal. me re-ask the question. In what awful, awful movie does Will well Ferrell coach a children's soccer team? What What made you think of that, Peach? Um. Well. My Are you brain watching goes it? Deep and, my brain goes deep and wide. Um. <laughs> just certain certain things just 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 come up to me, you know. Um. Like. Uh, uh, what would you say, Big Bird? Taller or shorter than eight feet? What would you say? <laughs> the cat again. <laughs> Don't worry about the cat. That is a great question. Big Bird, taller or shorter than eight feet? That cat yeah. is like a recurring character now. It's like Schneider. Yeah. She's sweet. Yeah, yeah. That we're gonna cat eat, is. We're going to eat her next week, I think. That cat is like Lenny and Squiggy combined. Hello. Like, Hello. Every time you say cat, it's just, hello. Hello, girls. <laughs> Ladies, we was wondering. <laughs> do you have any cat mix I could borrow? Um, <laughs> Next week I'll have a Michael McKeon impression for you. <laughs> I would say he is shorter than eight feet. I agree. Eight feet, two inches. Shut up. Get out of here. Right. Come on. Two more you quick ones. Very quick. Very quick. Kermit the Frog, <laughs> left-handed or right-handed? <laughs> frog is left-handed. All genius frogs are. That is correct. And finally, what does Charlie Brown's father do for a living? He is a barber. Ding, ding. You are four for a four, except for the one you got wrong. <laughs> he, and, hence the irony of Charlie Brown only having one hair. Yes. That his adds to his is, misery. That does add to his misery. Cal, what impressions do you want? What impression do you want PJ to work on for next week? I would like to hear a combination of Michael McKeon and David Lander. <laughs> oh, like okay, a Lenny Squiggy combo, and maybe That's... maybe a little Eddie Mecca in it also. Wow. I, could I could do Eddie Mecca right now. Deep do it. Us. Do it. You want me to do Eddie Mecca right now? Do yes, it. Do it. Do it. Hold on, I, I gotta go outside. <laughs> it's gonna be loud. You gonna upset the cat? <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's a little. You know what? I'll record that one. All right, definitely record. I'll record that. my Eddie Mecca, and uh, we'll put it on the soundboard, and we'll put it up next week. Fantastic. Hey, thanks for producing tonight, Peach. Thanks for making it easy. Ah, oh, look, he's a true professional, PJ behind the glass. Thank you, brother. We'll talk to you later. Okay. All right, let's. Uh, what do you, you you ready to put a button on this one, Cal? Yeah, I think if if uh, he's gonna do Eddie Mecca <laughs> next week, I'm gonna demand you do Eddie Money. <laughs> Absolutely not. All right, that is all the time we have. <laughs> I'll do both, uh, guys. I'll do both. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Mecca doing Eddie Money. An Eddie Money song. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, that is all the time. Thanks to uh, Phil Soto Ortiz again. His blog is newyorksportsembassy.blogspot.com. Check him out. Uh, really, Phil, super thanks for joining us. Cal, final unload. You know who aged gracefully? 
Joan Collins. She aged gracefully. Jorge Posada. Take a note from Joan Collins. I I don't have the words. <laughs> My final unload, and I think Cal will definitely... Uh, seriously, Cal will definitely get behind this. Uh, New York uh, lost an icon this past week in Bill Gallo, uh, the cartoonist and satirist uh, for the New York Daily News. Uh... Bill Gallo had worked for the paper for some 60 years. Uh, he was truly a legend uh, here in New York. I grew up reading him. I know Cal did too. And um, in our small little corner of the world uh, here on this show, uh, we just want to extend uh, our condolences to his family and also to congratulate Bill Gallo on what is an unbelievable life. A Marine hero who was at Iwo Jima uh, and one of the most revered sports uh, figures in New York. Uh, passed away at the age of 88. And uh, Cal, I know you love Bill Gallo. Uh, we, we all did. So uh, we, we lost an icon, but uh, he's up there somewhere writing a pretty funny cartoon about it right now. So uh, uh, our best wishes for Bill Gallo's family. Uh, all right, that is all the time we have. We'll see you next week. Check out www.rtusports.com. And uh, Cal, I love you. I'll talk to you next week, brother. Good night. Good night.